coming up on this episode. We begin with sports team cities and mascots, our proposals for airline fees, and what it means to be a regular. Then we get to the week's tech news, including the on-again, off-again marriage of Musk and Twitter, plus how your car can soon pay for your gas. Stick around, it all starts right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 342, recorded July 11th, 2022. Twitter's return policy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Don't Panic, the technology podcast on gadgets, the internet, and you. I'm Sean Jennings, joined by two guys dressed up for Christmas in July. It's Colby Rabideau and Dan Miller. They got the red and the green going. Ah, that was nice. I came up with that one second before I said it. Nice. Under pressure. That's Just why it wasn't good. Didn't need it any sooner. What color is nope. your shirt? Me? Great, it's my it's my Los Angeles Chargers. Go Bolts. Chargers. High it says high voltage. Bad. <laughs> it says high voltage. Yeah, that's one of their slogans. Weird. For how are the Chargers prospects looking this year? High voltage. Listen, they went from great to even better. They shored up all their they're they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. They're gonna be good. Justin Herbert, great team, nice. team to look forward to. Your Los Angeles Chargers. Not mine, but go Man, the, the LA teams, they have very forgettable names. The the Chargers and the Rams, you're not a fan? Ch- Hang on a second. They both the Chargers and the Rams? Yes. It used to be the San Diego Chargers. And then they and moved to Los the Angeles. LA Rams and the LA Chargers. Isn't that a that little too similar? That, that, that they both say Los Angeles. They're both in Los Angeles, Dan. But Rams both, charge at uh, things. Right. Yeah. Uh, is the charger? Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to. Is it like. A yeah, it's electrics. It's it's right. an electric. Car. Yeah. It's, well, have you ever seen that? The, <laughs> Google the Chargers mascot. Whose name I forget. Yeah. But ma- the, and the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Galaxy. It's like. All the LA teams that you could put that team anywhere and have it keep the same name and be like, ah, sure. The Seattle you, Lakers, lots of lakes in Seattle. Like what te- what big city doesn't have lakes around it? I guess it'd be weird I, to put it in New York, but the weren't the Lakers originally a Minnesota team, which was the that uh, would make sense. That's right. That's where the name comes from. Yes. Right. I was thinking, Dan, because you said you said that's a forgettable name. What do you think is the most memorable NFL team name? Um I mean, let's see. The most memorable. The NFL Packers? I think the Packers is pretty is unique. Because it doesn't really mean anything. There are no other Packers. Yeah. Yeah. Most memorable. 49ers. That's weird. Yeah, that's an interesting one. If you ask me which, what state are the Vikings from, I would probably guess Minnesota. And sure enough. Sure enough. Dolphins, right? Like, if someone's like, "What state are the Miami Dolphins?" Miami Dolphins, then that'd be obvious. What state? <laughs> what state is the Dolphins from? You would probably guess Florida. That makes sense. The Buccaneers, I kind of get Florida as well. Hmm. Um, um sure. Seahawks and Eagles, like all the all the birds, animals. the Cardinals, the, the Panthers. Like, not yeah, not distinguishing enough. I think the Houston um, Texans is pretty weak. Yes, and the Giants, like Giant, what Giants, what's Giant? 
and the Jets also. The Jets are memorable, but then you look at the name by itself. If you dropped like an alien in and had them read, learn perfect English and read through the dictionary and then ask them, you know, the encyclopedia, except for NFL teammates and ask them what state are the Jets from? I don't know. They might guess Seattle, actually. We build Jets in Seattle. Um, <laughs> well, I might. Yeah, no, the cat missed me. Uh, no, I might guess Winnipeg, home of the uh, Winnipeg Jets hockey team, former hockey team. Which I'll give five bucks if either of you can tell me what city they moved to and what team they became. Although I better double check I'm right Winnipeg, before I make that commitment. Canada? Hockey yeah, that's where they were. Saskatchewan's a province. Oh, no, the Jets are still a team. I thought they moved. What team am I thinking of? Oh, the Jets are a team. Regina. Regina, Saskatchewan. That would be my guess. No, turns out the Winnipeg Jets were always there. I'm thinking of the Atlanta. Oh, no. Okay. See, I'm not an idiot. The Atlanta Thrashers moved to Winnipeg and became the Winnipeg Jets, not the other way around. Ah. My bad. Of which there used to be a Winnipeg Jets prior, and they went out of business. And then, yeah. Anyway, not very interesting. No. No. What else is going on, gentlemen? What's good? Well, I just looked up the Chargers mascot. It's pretty horrible. Oh, man. It actually, it looks Insane. like a very, a very yellow Howie Long. That's, that's who this person's face reminds me of. That's a very the good comparison. Guy. It really looks. He's like, like if you electrocuted Bart Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Really, like, jacked him up. Yeah, those steroids really kicking in. Yeah, not Ooh, yeah. not pleasant. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, he's aggressive. And if and I do recommend, if you ever get a chance to listen to the theme song of the San Diego Chargers, that was written in the, I think, early 80s. San Diego Superchargers. Anyway. I was just in San Diego. It's not that far from L.A. It's not terribly far. Correct. And why did they rename it to the L.A. Chargers? That seems like very petty. Well, because they play in it. They don't play in San Diego anymore. They play in Los Angeles. How far away do they play from the uh, the other NFL team? They play in the same stadium. The, the Rams and the Chargers play in that new stadium they built in Los Angeles. They share it. That's crazy. You seem very confused, Dan. I know this. The NFL just a lot. I guess this is just not how it works. Like, is this the only is, is that the only stadium? stadium that two NFL teams play in? No, the Jets and Giants play in the same stadium. That life stadium in the Meadowlands. Yes, there's only one stadium in New York. Well, does I mean the Buffaloes, but yeah. But I think in the NFL, those are the only shared. And actually, I'm trying to think in other sports where they're shared. And nothing is immediately coming to mind. I don't know if there are any other shared arenas within the same sport. Oh, sure. But that would be a good trivia question if there is, in fact, a shared. The, the, the difference is football stadiums are, are the largest stadiums you build for a professional sports team, so they're more expensive, so they're, they're more inclined to share in major cities. If you build hockey arenas or 
much smaller and theoretically more affordable. Um, well, as I mentioned, I've been doing lots of, not lots. I did. I've been doing some traveling. Went to San Diego, and we got on the plane. So the original, the two, there are two purposes of this trip. One, Lena's having a work conference at a fancy resort, and I was right. just going to stay in the hotel room for free. But then before that, we were going to see two of Lena's friends. Uh, two of Lena's friends before that, a couple days. Get on the plane, you know, get the plane lands, take out your phone, turn off cell airplane mode. Both of them got COVID independently of one another at, at the same day. So we were stuck, not stuck, but we were in San Diego. We had nothing to do, but also there are very few things we wanted to do. We weren't going to go into any restaurants or wander around an art museum with this like sword of Damocles dangling over our heads. Uh, but then... Yeah, you know, I had some flight delays, only two, only two flight delays. So it, they didn't get to the third where, it, in my experience, it's always canceled. So two delays and then out we went, which was nice. Uh, but then yesterday, we so we booked a vacation to Hawaii in March. Uh, and yesterday they were like, hey, that direct flight you booked from Seattle now it has a layover in L.A. Uh, and we're like, that's unfortunate. Uh, so we called Delta and they, they here was their explanation. And tell me if this makes any sense to you. Uh, they change their schedules every quarter. Like, OK, I guess that makes sense. I'm sure you change them more often, but OK, fine. You change them every, at least every quarter. And right now, there aren't that many people flying from Seattle to Hawaii. It's like. Fair enough. It's amazing in Seattle right now. And that's why we canceled that flight. It's like, wait a second. But but in October, but they're just the reason why this flight existed then by your logic is because in March, fair enough, lots of people are going to Hawaii from Seattle. Yes. Um, but now pe- people aren't doing that anymore. So you're canceling this flight in October. But in October, there will be lots of people from Seattle who want to go to Hawaii. And it's like, surely like if and I'm beginning to seriously doubt that there's any competency left in the world, but you unlike the many other reasons why airlines are evidently incompetent, like the, the screwed up boarding process. And I'm going to tell you about the, my baggage theory next. But this one you would think would have a direct impact on their bottom line. They want to have as many direct flights as is economically feasible it's because people want direct flights. People will pay more for them. And when, when you do your little search, like, I want to go from Seattle to Hawaii, they want to show up like, hey, I've got a direct, you know, buy, pay Delta. Um, why would they? And you'd think that the, the they've set these schedules some amount of time in advance. So they must have some theories about where people will want to go from where to where and when. But it only goes three months in advance. They have like they don't look at any prior data. They're never like, well, you know, we should what? And so they just schedule the flights in October based off of what they're seeing right now. Uh, It's interesting when I think about the economics of an airline. It's all about maximizing fixed costs. A plane costs so much money to get up in the air and across a route. 
whether you have one person on it or 500 people on it. And the more you get on there, the cheaper it is because it's being paid for by their tickets. And so I, I do wonder what the math is in my head, where if you had a flight going from Seattle to Hawaii, that was 75% full. Nine and you would have flight. Out. Right. <laughs> well, assume, even, on, even on takeoff day, let's assume it's 75% full. Then you have a flight from L.A. to Hawaii, which I would assume of all the West Coast airports, probably the one with the most people flying to uh, Hawaii. It's the yes. largest airport on the West Coast. If that flight's 95% full, is, is it better for the airline to fly Seattle to LAX, which I would assume is a busy route, and LAX to Hawaii, again, a busy route where they're maximizing the flight, Rather, even if you get 75% on Seattle to Hawaii, I wonder if it's still more economical for them to first fly you to LA first because they're on busier routes. But then what percentage of those people are just going to cancel their flight? I would bet you, I would love to see a survey. You didn't cancel yours, right? You're going to just accept the transfer to LAX. Well, no, we're thinking about it. I I, it's, it's I would the exact bet you same price to fly Alaska direct now. But now I'm starting to question, like, is all of this lies? Like, do do airlines just constantly like? But the advantage is Alaska is the hub. Like Seattle is the Alaska hub. So it's unlikely that the flight would become a layover flight. Right. And it we don't lose anything. No, my, just, my just guess would be a shitload of time dealing with this. <laughs> I think most people suck it up because they know the airlines suck and will go through L.A. And I think the other thing is computers make all these decisions. I think it's one of those rare industries where computers just make decisions and the, they just accept what the computer says. Computers, they... <sighs> I know the computers are not always right, but I think the airlines are just like, well, said we got to cancel the route. The computer said it. So, I mean, I don't think there's some guy crunching the numbers. It's uh, it's ridiculous. No, but it is. No, it doesn't make any sense. Here's my other question for the brain trust. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, boarding the plane is ridiculous. Like they should obviously board from back to front, but they don't. Um, or from inside to outside, one or the other, but they don't do that. Um, here's my other like realization recently. You get a free checked bag, which can only be a certain size and you don't get free. Oh, sorry, a free carry-on bag. You don't get a free check bag anymore. Um, the check, uh, the carry-on bag has lots of limitations. Uh, it is the most limited space in the plane, and you can only bring luggage up to a certain size. The underbelly of the plane has the most space, and it doesn't matter how big your bag is, but it's 30 bucks a bag up to a certain weight. So actually, like the the weight matters, the dimensions don't. Um, but people want to use the overhead more than the checked bag because then they don't have to wait for the thing. But the airlines are constantly fighting with the passengers to have enough space in the overhead thing. Meanwhile, they're losing out on on money because they you have to check all these people's bags because they don't all fit in the overhead thing. They could have made thirty bucks in each of those bags. Um, why is why don't they instead give everyone free uh, check bag with smaller limits on like the weight or maybe it's just like the same dimensions as as a overhead bag and charge the premium for the overhead bag, which tons of people would pay because they want to get out as soon as possible. But tons of people wouldn't pay because they're like, I don't care when I get out or I have this large bag. 
the airline makes more money. The airline makes more money. Hey, that's all they should care about. As far as I can tell, the airline would probably make more people would pay to have a check bag than because if it chances are, if if you're sorry, more people keep screwing this up, more people would pay to have an overhead bag, because if you have one check bag, you're probably like, screw it. I don't I don't need an overhead bag. I'm just going to put everything in there. So those people aren't paying you any money anyways. But you could squeeze the overhead bag people for money and solve a bunch of other problems. Now there's more space in the overhead. People aren't, you know, clubbing each other over the head, getting the bags out. And the, yeah, the people who really, really want to get out of the airport as fast as possible, they can pay up their $30. You could probably charge more. Uh, well, what am I missing? How is this not an obvious way to squeeze more money out of it? And it would be better for me. I would happily... In almost every instance, I don't care about the extra 30 minutes. Like, let me check the bag. I don't have to carry it through the airport. I don't have to care about how big my fucking shampoo is. Uh, I don't have to wrestle it out of the overhead and worry about clocking some granny over the back of the head. Everybody wins. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because that's... You look at the pretty positive growth of the discount airline, like a spirit airline, they charge you for the carry on. Well, they charge you for both. Well, right. What I'm saying is encourage people to check their bag and charge the premium for the overhead. If you're going to give one for free, give away the one that you have tons of extra of. Well, but I, I, which by the way, you're not wrong in any respect. I think it's a good (laughs) idea, but I'm a devil's advocate guy. So I'll never say you're right. I'll tell you what's wrong about the idea. But (laughs) I think the issue is I think airports already have issues with the volumes of bags that they have to deal with in the undercarriage of, uh, you know, in lost bags and transferring bags between flights and issues like that. My cut, do you guys ever gate check a bag? I love gate checking once. Whenever they give me the opportunity, I take it because it's a win-win because you don't have to worry about lugging your suitcase on and putting it in, but they immediately return you as you're leaving the plane. My thought is you should be charged extra when you have a connecting flight because if you think about it, there really should be two classes of underplane baggage. One is the direct flight where you know your bag isn't going to get lost. It's on the plane or it's not, and it'll be there when you get there. Then there's the ones where they have to transfer it to another. My thought would be, Dan, that's the upcharge is it's basically a carry on. We guarantee you your bag will be sitting on the tarmac. The second you get off the plane, like a gate check, you can grab it and go, but you don't have to put it in the overheads. That's an extra service. Everyone else's who's a connecting is in a separate part of the plane and they're a regular checked bag and all that sort of stuff. I think it's more of a concierge type service that I think you can absolutely upcharge for um, and just do it gate check style, which I love to do. Yeah. But I also have, think have any. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Have, I'm going to change the subject. So if you have something else to say. No, I was I was I will put a bow on it by saying I run into this at work all the time. But it's one of these things where if you could totally reset the airline experience from scratch, I'm you, we would all change a million things to make it better. It's all this legacy stuff where, you know, you, you can't if you all of a sudden started charging. I mean, you know, we've. <laughs> Mutual friend Colin, who worked at Spirit Airlines for I would tell the story of people showing up to learn that they had to pay for their carry-ons and were very unhappy. Um, and I think people get used to certain things, and maybe over time you chip away at it. But unfortunately, we're stuck with these legacy processes um, that make airlines yes. kind of a huge pain in the ass. But 
the airlines love changing these things when it makes them more money. And that's what I don't understand. I don't understand how this wouldn't make them more money and how it hasn't already happened. Because it used to be you would get one checked bag for free. Yes, and they've eaten away at that. And I, I, Dan, I guarantee you, like Spirit, someday they will eat away at the carry-on. But they'll just eventually charge for everything, regardless of where the bag goes. <laughs> right. Uh, I saw... Have, I saw. No, go ahead. Have either of you two... Uh, and I'm going to change the subject, so Colby, if you have something to say, just change it back. Have either of you two ever accepted the offer when they're like, this flight is super full. Will anyone take like $100 to reschedule your flight? Sean says yes. Yeah, I was once flying out of Vegas to Hartford. It was a it was a mid-afternoon flight. It was like a 3 or 4 p.m. flight. Maybe a little earlier, actually. It might have been 2 o'clock. Um, and they offered 1000 bucks in United Flight credits. Wow. And to like six people. And I took it. I had to take a red eye, which I just I don't sleep on planes. I, oh, it was awful with a layover in Chicago at like three in the morning. It was terrible. Ugh. But I got my thousand dollar in flight vouchers from United. And then I quickly realized I never travel anywhere and I have nothing to do with my flight vouchers. And the good news is they keep extending them because of COVID. So I, this was like three years ago. I still have them. So if anyone needs United dollars, let me know. I'll give you a good I'll give you a good deal. But um, but it was pretty easy. So. And then, oh my God. And then the funny thing is, so I had gotten to the airport for my flight and it was at the gate. They informed us and said, okay, here, we'll book you on the next one. No problem. I said, okay. But I had hours to kill. I had like six hours to kill. And the rest of my team was all at the convention center, finishing up, breaking down the booth and going out to dinner. So I said, all right, so I'll get in an Uber and then come back to the airport later. Well, when I went to get in the Uber at the airport, the thousand dollar flight voucher fell out of my pocket onto the ground and by the way it doesn't have my name on it so it could just anyone with it could use it with the code on it i got all the way to the convention center i'm getting out of the uber happened to grab my pocket oh my god it's not in here uber driver i'm like going through his whole car i must have dropped it i'm like dude i'll give you 20 bucks but you gotta take me back to the airport i gotta get this we drove all the way back to the airport it was sitting on the ground in the parking garage it'd been run over a bunch of times it's got tire prints all over it but it'd been on the floor of the parking garage Thank God nobody had taken it and I got it and then had to Uber all the way again back out. It was it was very stupid. So check your pockets. That's so it was just wow. a coupon. Yeah, it's literally just like a code and you can go on the website and put it in when you go. It's on my United account. I was once on a flight. I had a, it was a work trip and I just couldn't change it. I once had a two thousand dollar offer on a flight. Um, but I just could not move. I really wanted to, and I just couldn't move it. That's the most I've ever seen. Wow. I've never done it. I've also never, I don't think I've ever, maybe like $900. That was the highest I ever heard once. Never heard them break the $1,000 threshold. In retrospect, I would have just taken the regular flight, <laughs> you know, but that's me. But in retrospect, I hit, fucking hated that red eye and I was exhausted and then I still haven't <laughs> used the money. So jokes on me, I guess. That's why I get for being greedy. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. Yep. Any other topics for discussion? I had a minor one. Go for it. If you guys are interested. I was thinking about this the other day. Thought-provoking question here. 
Are you guys considered a regular anywhere? Coffee shops, stores, restaurants? <clears throat> Not anymore, but I have been in the past. I think me too. Are, are there any, what are some examples? I'm just curious because I found out that I was a regular somewhere. <laughs> and and it surprised me. So I'm curious where you guys have been regulars. It, this is, I think, the first time I've ever been a regular sure. anywhere. Uh, there was like the first by the first apartment I lived in Boston. There was a sandwich place that I went to like twice a week for lunch. Like the people all knew, like they knew who I was. And I almost always got the same thing. So I think that counts. Did they know your name? think so or your face no they did know my name okay because, sure they had to shot your order yeah yeah you had to put it was you know it was like a you know order at the counter and you wait and you would you would put in your name and they stopped asking for my name after a while nice yeah crushed it crushed it <laughs> um i was a regular at a cocktail bar because i went once a week <clears throat> i was also a regular at a coffee shop because i went almost every day not a good idea at least in the <laughs> summer in the summer i went every day for a while i was going every day like for one year and then i was like okay can't this is this is ridiculous but then i would go only once a day during the summer because i didn't know how to make iced coffee and i still don't right. do they like offer you a job or something you were there so much no but they were very nice it was you know at the time i think about this every couple weeks now at the time uh, this was like 2017, 2018. Uh, it was this, you know, this husband wife team who opened this coffee shop and they had some kind of accent and I never really asked where they were from. They looked vaguely European ish. Uh, and then one day I overheard the guy talking to some customer about like rifles and shit and the army he was in the ukrainian army oh uh, and then he left after the whole uh crimea thing and that was how he ended up opening a coffee shop in brooklyn oh I, I remember thinking at the time like oh that's a you know interesting little tidbit uh <laughs> uh little did we know do, do they make specialty coffee in Ukraine? Is there a special Ukrainian coffee? No, it's not a regular. Ukrainian coffee shop. It's just a coffee shop run by two Ukrainian people. Okay. And the woman used to be a doctor, I think. I think that's right. Yeah. So it was, you know, a very classic immigrant story. And you were their favorite customer. Well, no, this is the same coffee shop I... Uh, saw alec baldwin in twice hey their second favorite second yeah <laughs> we'll i uh i found out the other day so very small backstory but i live with my mother and i get groceries for the house and she gets uh chicken at the deli sliced chicken every week at the deli but she likes it a certain way she likes it destroyed she likes little flecks of chicken, basically. You shred it on Shredded. the... Shredded. Uh, but, like, literally, like, it can't resemble a slice. <laughs> it has to be in, like, a powder. A sawdust. I have a million ways to describe it. Turns out, 
the deli at my local supermarket knows me as the destroyed chicken guy. (laughs) And I have a reputation now where some of the employees recognize me. And they say, hey, destroyed chicken guy. Hey, I know how you like it. Do you want the chicken? Sawdust, right? (laughs) Uh, And the other day, there was a new employee named Mo. And... Uh, I said, I want it. And I did my usual spiel. You need the chicken, but I really, cause she gets mad if I do it wrong. I say, no, it, you got to really destroy it. And the other employees like coached him through how exactly to cut the chicken the right way. Like, oh no, we know this guy. Like, no, you really got to cut it on like zero. Like you got to cut it really low. Literally probably five to six employees. know, um, know me. So how do they do it? You just have to cut it on the on the absolute lowest setting, and then you just shred it, and just little bits fall off, little, little like snowflakes, and it takes forever. Literally, they're pumping the 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 friggin' slicer. Oh my god, I feel terrible. It's a workout. You get three quarters of a pound, man. Oh man, it's a workout. And so, I try to be very nice and friendly, but they they see me coming. So wow. it's a big honor and a very nice. So shout out to the big Y on Cooley street. Thank <laughs> you for the great deli chicken. Do they have a, a, a cool nickname for you? Destroyed. Is it destroyed chicken guy? That's, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yep. And they, they'll say, God, destroy that chicken. And the funny thing is, so I like, they don't, I joke with them a little bit and I talk, I try and be polite, but they think I'm buying it for my wife. And I just like they said it once and I never corrected them. So they joke with you like his wife's going to be really mad at him if we don't do this right. And I'm like, sure, whatever. That's fine. (laughs) Why not? Um, If that works for you. So um, anyway, that that was that was my big revelation the other day. I'm so proud. That's That's amazing. That's the excitement in my life. (laughs) Just goes to show you. I got a lot going on. Um, All right, guys. Dare we even think about talking about tech news? Yes. It's what we do. Um, There are a few stories in here. Summer is usually quiet as far as tech news goes, but uh, doesn't doesn't mean we can't talk about it. Are there any... Links here in the rundown that uh, are exciting to you guys worth discussing. So Elon Musk isn't buying Twitter anymore, or is he? Oh no, this it's the story that just won't die. Damn it. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think when we, we last talked about it a couple months ago, it's been a little while. It's been percolating. Elon Musk obviously offering to buy Twitter. Uh, but a few months ago, he started floating the idea that. Um, he was concerned, and this his, this is what he's saying, uh, that he is concerned about bots on Twitter, and that Twitter is mostly made up of bots, and he's concerned that Twitter isn't actually worth what he offered to pay. Some might say that's an interesting observation. Others might say this just sounds like a scheme to not have to actually buy them. Twitter claims they provided him all the data he asked for around bots. Elon Musk said he never got it. It was at that point last week he decided to call off the agreement. He filed with the SEC. Uh, 
He claimed he's terminating the deal because Twitter was in material breach of their agreement and had made false and misleading statements during negotiations. Quote, for nearly two months, Mr. Musk has sought the data and information necessary to make an independent assessment of the prevalence of fake or spam accounts on Twitter's platform. Twitter has failed or refused to provide this information. Uh, The interesting twist is that Twitter has said, too late, buddy. You signed a binding agreement to buy us, so you have to do it. Um, And Twitter is preparing to uh, sue him, if that's what it takes. The agreement's very complicated. Um, There's a billion-dollar breakup fee uh, that one or both sides may have to pay. Um, I have a quick correction to that. Okay, please do. Being at a conference surrounded by lawyers last week. Yes. <clears throat> My understanding is that that is not a blanket breakup fee that you could just pull the ripcord and say, ah, never mind, and just pay $2 billion just, right? But to a giant co- corporation or Elon Musk, $2 billion is nothing. It's fine. You can't just do that. That $2 billion is to be paid only in the event that specific things cause the deal to not go through, like an SEC, like, uh, injunction or whatever that would prevent the merger because it is technically a merger from from happening. So the way that he's trying to get out of it, otherwise, right, he could just say whatever, $2 billion and do it. But there, why have this whole letter and why this whole back and forth? Because he actually right. can't just get out of it because he already agreed to buy the company. That was the whole news a couple of months ago. And so the only way you can get out of it is if you prove that the company lied to you, but not only that, you have to prove that they lied to you in a material way. And material in this world, it's very specific meaning a fine it has it affects the finances. Um but the kind of screwed up thing about this argument is on in what world would the percentage of bots on Twitter affect its material value because actually the more bots there are the higher the like you know revenue per user is the more valuable Twitter is uh, in a sense so it's uh, that's that's my understanding so far of everything you just said yeah absolutely Twitter claims that they've provided this information to Mr. Musk and I have to believe they probably did um i yeah, i definitely like they agree have with you. said in their like the things that they the sec filings for years on their like earnings reports like oh about five less than five percent of our users are are fake basically and if you rely on those things it's serious business shareholder lawsuit sort of situation so companies try really really hard not to lie on those things well and the other thing is should this thing ever you know, eventually result in a lawsuit and go to court, which is certainly plausible. A, a judge or jury could certainly institute a far harsher penalty than a billion dollar breakup fee. Um, but also, theoretically, they would have to disclose in court the spam problem if there actually is one. So if if Musk is, you know, basically full of shit, um, it's going to come out in a court trial that no Twitter did provide him this information and it's truthful and he just didn't like it again, though, even if they do have a big spam problem, he has to prove that it materially affects the uh, financials of the company, which is like the company. unless they're lying about how much money they make, the company makes how much money it makes. It doesn't matter if they make, you know, I don't know how many billions of dollars Twitter makes a year. If they make that much money and 80 percent of the users are bots, it doesn't matter. They still make that much money a year. It doesn't. <laughs> Does it materially affect the right. business? 
Um, the other interesting thing there is they the judge slash jury does not get I guess the judge usually decides damages, right? Um, there's only three outcomes here, I was told. Uh, one is no one uh, they pay the no one gets anything and the judge says no one's liable for anything, which is extremely unlikely. The other on the other extreme, though, the only damage the judge can award is is this thing called specific performance, which basically says, hey, you in a contract, you you agreed to give me forty five billion dollars and you didn't. So you owe me that forty five billion dollars plus all the money I've spent trying to get the forty five billion dollars since you didn't give it to me. So the. Other extreme is Elon Musk owes Twitter $45 billion plus legal fees. And the only other core option is Elon does have to give Twitter only $45 billion. So those are the three, those are the three options. Either, right, like Elon Susan wins, he gives Twitter $45 billion. He loses, he either owes them nothing or $45 billion plus more. Yep. Um, or they could settle out of court. And well, then, the, you know, anything's anything's game. The interesting thing is since uh, Musk's offer to purchase uh, Twitter stock is down about 40 percent. So they certainly have arguments of damages. Um, but in, I, again, in, I they that's not up for consideration. It's a, like a no, contract dispute. Yeah, no. But in the, in the court of public opinion, if you will. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they certainly have a case to be said that, you know, even if this is, even if Elon Musk says, I just want to walk away, it's not that simple because he's done actual da- theoretically actual damage to the company. Um, yes. Should he choose not to buy but it? But again, he, he literally can't walk away. So yes. Not, not it's good. insane. It's a whole thing. It's buck wild. It's absolutely insane. Like, listen, I don't know him personally. All right. I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what his actual intentions are. Seems like kind of a bullshit artist and seems like he was never actually going to buy it. But if that's really true, what a very stupid way to do it. Like, don't sign a legally binding agreement unless he really was going to buy them and had genuine buyer's remorse, which I guess is possible. Yeah. But it seemed like a joke from the beginning. The, The other thing I heard was that this like specific Delaware court, this chancery court, which deals with these kinds of things. And that's as much as I know. It's a special court. It deals with these kinds of things. They've only ever ruled in someone like Elon Musk's favor once before. And it was in like just a couple of years ago. But that's it. And it's like 100 plus year history. God, I, I hope he has to pay Twitter a gazillion dollars. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because he doesn't even have all the cash. He was going to buy it with private equity money and loans and all this other. It's not like he has that in cash. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I don't know what that's. What, and that's what I wonder, right? Is like, what happens then? Like, I'm sure are there. Right. Like, if you take out a loan to buy a company, there must be provisions in there that governs what happens when you actually can't buy the company. Like, what if the SEC comes in is like there, it's an antitrust issue and Elon Musk can't buy Twitter? Very unlikely, but it could happen. Um, I guess the money just gets returned. But what happens when you can't buy the company, but he's still on the hook? Yeah, it's I don't know. It, is he personally did, did was he going to buy it personally in his name uh, and he's personally no. on the hook or is it? No, well, no, I know remember, the, that's where the money yeah. was coming from. 
but partially um, but he created this this uh oh his entity his entity and i guess the question is, is the entity an llc right because then that would limit his liability if only we knew some lawyers um no i know it's wild we're I gonna know, keep an eye yeah, on this we're it's not going away past uh we're way past you know being able to help here unfortunately no, we need a court in Delaware to tell us what's going on. Uh, but we will keep you abreast of the situation as it unfolds um, and take great relish in Elon getting screwed. Uh, guys, what else in here is worth talking about? We got we got thoughts on another story. It's not an LLC. It's an incorporate. It's an in- it's a corporation. Oh, do love a good corporation. All right. What else what we got? Else, come on. Um. Oh yeah, tell me about this uh, CarPlay gas thing. I didn't understand at all how this would work. Yeah, and the story's kind of vague, uh, to be honest. But basically, during WWDC, we talked about it on the show here. Uh, one of the things they kind of sub-announced that we didn't talk about was fueling and driving tasks apps being rolled out in iOS 16. Um, Basically, I'm going to look and see um, what the exact language from them is, if I can find it and keep stalling while I scroll through the giant CarPlay. It makes sense to me for like electric cars, like a lot electric cars have this thing where like you plug in the thing and the car knows that it's plugged in and the thing knows even, I think, can know what car is plugged in. So it seems like there could be a cool app there could be all sorts of different apps that operate on that. But for yeah. like a gas car, like you, the, the, like, how do you even know what pump you're at? Like, I don't know. I, I guess I haven't looked closely. Do the pumps have like barcodes or something? How would this They do. Work? Actually, the technology has come pretty far because uh, these days, most uh, gas car, like a shell or whatever, um, they have their own app that you scan a QR code at the pump, but every pump's numbered. I mean, historically, if you wanted to pay cash for gas, you go into the establishment, you say, put 40 bucks on pump number six. So as I understand it, Sinclair Oil uh, is going to be uh, the first company to give it a shot. They have over 1,600 gas stations. As far as I understand how it works, it's, it's actually pretty simple. You have your credit card stored in Apple Pay on your dash. You say, I'm in pump six. You put in the amount, it remotely activates the gas pump, and you put gas in the car. So would the would the workflow be you pull up to the gas pump, you get out of the car, you walk up to the thing, you take out the the hose, I don't know what you call it, the nozzle. You first probably have had to open your gas cap thingy, stick it in, get in your car, you uh, do an Apple Pay thing, then get back out of your car and start pumping the gas? No, you do it before. So to use the new CarPlay feature, iPhone users will need to download a fuel company's app to their phone and enter payment credentials ahead of time. After the app is set up, users will be able to tap on the navigation screen to activate a pump and pay. So you would do it before you even got out of the car. I see. Okay. Sounds kind of convenient. Yeah, I think what they really need to do, although I guess maybe they're like, why bother? But the electric car thing where like there's like an API for the the car can know what pump it's plugged into. Yeah, I mean, I I would think would just like 
Bluetooth beacons in, in the, I mean, obviously that's a hardware solution, but I think if it could just know what pump it's next to, it could, you could certainly automate it. Right. But what I want to have happen is get out of the car, take the nozzle, stick it in the thing. And it's like, oh, you're Dan and you have a credit card thing associated. Just squeeze. <laughs> Just squeeze. That's Just my, squeeze. Uh... That's a great tagline. <laughs> That's what we could. Oh, yeah, that'd be the tagline of our app. I love it. Just squeeze. I, I, it could, it could I be one that's... of those like it would have one of those fruit logos like a like a half orange or something. Dan, Dan's gas. Just, Just squeeze. squeeze. Get your juice. Just squeeze. Fresh squeezed. Um, yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. I mean, anything to, to streamline that process, I think of EasyPass being another great example of something that's very touch-free, very thoughtless, um, happens automatically. iOS, um, they announced this like a year ago, and I haven't really seen anyone do I think it's not, uh, currently in iOS 15 is the um, mobile ordering for like food and things um, right on your dash and CarPlay as well. So I think there's a lot of opportunities to expand on CarPlay. Um, and some of the things you can do right from the dash in your car. That's cool. Yeah, we got to get you guys out in more car. We got to get you guys pumping some gas. <laughs> You're missing out. Some pumps now have Apple Pay. Tap to pay. That's cool. I've used it once, and it is cool. It is cool, but very few pumps have it. I mean, there are still pumps that don't accept, that don't do the chip cards. It's a lagging technology. There's some place I go to. I still can't tap to pay for anything. I forget where it is. And like, isn't that like strictly illegal at this point? <laughs> <laughs> like, but actually, right? Like, hasn't the payment standard like, you know, you, all point of sales need to have this thing? I don't know if it's a law, but I think if you're buying a new one, it's built in. Hmm. At the, I think it's happened to me at more than one liquor store around here. There's like, for some reason, there's a limit on how much you can tap to pay for. So like, if you spend hmm. more than like a hundred dollars, and you try and tap to pay, it just doesn't. It doesn't work, and they have to like cancel everything and do it all over again. It's happened to me multiple times. How big of purchases are you making at the liquor store? Uh, over a hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Colby maxed out his credit card at the liquor store. <laughs> you know, We're not judging you. Um, yeah. Now, have you guys, one thing I've been wanting to, you know, I I'll try any payment thing once. I almost never pay with Apple Pay on the tap to pay. I'm still the idiot who pulls out his credit card, even when I can tap because um, I'm an old man. But have you guys tried the like iPhone to iPhone payment yet with anyone? Is no, like sending Apple I, cash. I, no, I'm like 99% sure it was in 15.5. Is it um, the iMessage thing where you can text people money? No, it's 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 NFC based, and you t tap to pay on iPhone. Here you go. Apple today announced this is on Apple's website from February eighth, later this year. So maybe it's not. I thought it was out though. Um, the new capable. Uh, uh, 
a simple tap to the iPhone. So you can tap phones against each other. And contactless credit cards against your iPhone. And it should be able to accept it. Merchants will be able to unlock contactless payment at checkout. The merchant will simply prompt the customer to hold their iPhone or Apple Watch to pay with Apple Pay, their contactless credit or debit card or other digital wallet near their iPhone. And the payment will be securely completed using NFC technology. No additional hardware is needed. Um, Right. But yeah, but this is not like a consumer product. This is an API, right? Um. You can leverage it as an API, but I believe it has a built-in payment. Wait, how do I do it then? Well, I don't have—I haven't been, had any other iPhones around to to tap. I don't. Does anyone but, have a? a but it, oh, I see. So if someone had, but you, there must be some way for me to like say I want to charge this person twenty dollars, and then they tap the phone, right? That would be how oh, okay. it works. It does say here it's limited to businesses and merchants. Uh, well, you know what they say. You're, when will it be available? Business. All right. I guess I got ahead of myself. Maybe it's not available yet. The supporting API is an iOS 15.4. So it's I'm not like crazy. The, you can do it at the Apple store if you buy something there. I think um, that means that their app... That they just use iPhones now to to do the payment thing. I it says here, normal. there was an announcement last month. Square announced that they'll be using the um, API to support payment within their app uh, with the tap to pay. So anyway, for some reason, I thought it was something you could just do with people. Maybe they'll get there. I don't know why I thought that. That's why it hasn't been working. <laughs> I've just been smacking people's iPhone trying to steal their money. It's not working. Pay me. Pay me. You could, pay you me. could do panhandling, though. Maybe download the Square app, set yourself up outside of the uh, the uh, destroyed chicken place. By the way, have you guys heard of the new panhandler scam? No. No, this is... This, I, I can't tell if it's a real thing or it's one of those Facebook panic things, but it's been in my local groups around here. Apparently, there's there's a nationwide trend of panhandlers who set up with violins, but they're playing a track and not actually... They're fake playing violins. Uh-huh. And they have, like, a big speaker next to them that they, like, don't... But it, it's playing the violin music, but they're trying to hide it and make it, people think they're playing the violin. Apparently, according to local Facebook groups, it's a nationwide problem. And what is the the scam? Is that they're 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 being misleading? Uh, they're fake people. playing the violin. Right, they're misleading yes. people on the on the street. I see. So it's like air violin. Exactly. It is, and then and then and then there's like there are viral videos out there of people like walking up and like grabbing the violin, but the music keeps playing. And they get totally busted. That's anyway, pretty easy to tell. I feel like apparently, but now the problem is, I guess there's a guy around here who plays the violin panhandling, and now everyone is like, uh, like suspicious of him online. They're like, watch out for the guy who's usually at Walmart. He's probably one of those fakers. And I'm like, don't you people have better things to do with your life? Like, starting unnecessary panic. <laughs> Uh, does it really change the way stupid. you interact with that person if you know that they're not really playing the violin i mean i guess 
because the point of panhandling is you're giving money and i guess the idea is like does he still deserve your money even though he's not actually playing it i would say it's pretty clever to fake play it maybe that's worth a couple bucks are you enjoying the violin playing any less just because the person isn't really playing i don't know wow this is very uh philosophical I thought it was going to be something like where this. they were like stealing money from people or something. Not like, no, it's stupid. That's what I'm telling you. It's like it's not even a real scam. It's like the laziest scam. But I think maybe I'll go out with a saxophone and a speaker and pretend to play saxophone or something. Like I'd pick a more interesting <laughs> instrument. There's, there's. I can a... see you as a saxophone guy though. I was, you know, I almost took band in school, like what, like at that age where they first asked you if you want to do it. And I almost did it. Thank God I didn't. Um, I'd be a total loser. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I would have picked the saxophone. That would have been my instrument. Absolutely. I would have been so cool. Nice. <laughs> there's a there's a, a, a guy who panhandles by the Prudential Center Mall here who... It's been his uh, 40th birthday every day uh, for the last, like, three and a half years. <laughs> respect. <laughs> Got to respect hey. that. Ageless. Let's we'll see what, what are when the odds? Turn, when you turn 40, Colby, maybe it'll be three years in a row for you, too. You know? <laughs> That's all right. Just keep at Every day is Colby's birthday, right? Means tossing a few bucks in the hat. All right. <laughs> I go hard. Uh, well, let's. Uh, why don't we move on to picks? The part of the show where each of us bring something we want to share with the world. Um, and we've got some links here, and I have got to find out what's going on with Dan's pick. I'm I'm fascinated here. What is this? Um. So this is a. And a free app, I think it's available for Android and iOS, that uh, you hold it up. It's basically Shazam for birds. Um, so you hear a cool bird, and you open up this app, and you press you press the button, and it, it turns away for a little bit, and it tells you what bird or birds are in the area. And it's pretty magical. And it's just like a research project. It's totally free. It's called... What is it called? Merlin Bird ID. By Cornell Lab. That is cool as oh, it, it also has like a little like flow chart to help you identify birds if you see one. But the, the sound thing is definitely the coolest part. Nice. I might try some backyard. Colby, wasn't it you who picked the app that identified plants? Yes. Same uh, same vein. I'm, I love these kind of um, yeah. these kind of apps. The plant one was not free though. Mm. Have you uh, have you caught any interesting birds, Dan? Uh, the other week we were walking through the park nearby, and you know you know how you can hear like a bug, like a bug flies by, and you kind of hear it. It has like that drone. Mm-hmm. We heard that, but it was like really low, very bassy. It sounded like a giant buck. And it was a swarm of hummingbirds that were just like chilling around this bush. And we walked right up to them. They didn't care at all. They're just like, 
it's like actually sounded pretty freaky. Uh, and then we tried to identify what hummingbird it was. We couldn't figure it out until we finally saw like this little throwaway line on this one thing. It was like adolescent hummingbirds, you know, don't look like this. And they they're they don't have any colors on their coat. And so we saw a bunch of like baby hummingbirds hanging out. But it, the uh, app didn't really help us with that. We had to do some more research on our own. <laughs> hummingbirds don't really make sounds. Still pretty cool. It was cool. That's pretty cool. That's great. Get out. I'll, actually, I'll send you all a photo. I, t- I took an amazing photo of one of these hummingbirds. Oh, I'm very excited. Uh, Merlin Bird ID. Uh, check it out on your device. Uh, get outside. Listen to some birds. That's great. Thank you, Dan. Uh, next up, I will go next. We'll let Colby take us home. I don't have anything nearly as exciting. What's the opposite of a bird? It's a cat. Um, <laughs> and my cat drags litter all over my house. Um, he's a nasty little boy who actually ran off after clawing at all the wires I have here. Um, and I need to stop him from doing that with the litter. And so I did some research. This is a, I think a wire cutter suggestion, the black hole litter mat. Um, and it's designed with these really aggressive grid pattern that the litter falls into and it scrapes it off the bottom of his feet as he's leaving the litter box. And it's an absolute, I'm not joking. It's a night and day difference. There is no longer litter across my house. This thing works amazingly. So if you have a cat, uh, who is a messy little son of a gun, um, I can vouch this product actually works very well. So available on Amazon. Uh, Whoa, look at that, Dan. That's great. What do you use a, a DSLR to capture that one? Just my phone. What? Yeah. Damn. That is a very nice picture. I'm jealous. It's just my phone and luck. Dang. Uh, very nice. Uh, yeah, I'll just, uh, black hole available on Amazon. Uh, I got the extra large, but they have it at different sizes. So you can check it out. Okay, Colby, we were just gathering outside. What have what have you got for us inside? Uh, so at work, we're a largely remote company. So we've been using this strange, very strange app called Gather.town, uh, which is like, it's an 8-bit like virtual office. Like, it's kind of a video game where you walk around with like a Pokemon looking, you know, like Game Boy Pokemon looking character in a in a, a Game Boy Pokemon looking office. Um, but when you walk up to another person, it like turns on your your like your video and your audio like connect, and you can talk to each other as as if you were standing next to each other. It's kind of dumb, but like kind of nice for for remote work it's certainly better than like scheduling a zoom meeting to to have a a silly chat with someone you can like customize your whole office and like you can have a desk and like put stuff on it and decorate uh, like the fun part of the sims games uh so yeah i don't know it's kind of fun it's it's more useful than I thought it was going to be when we when someone suggested it the first time. This is legitimately pretty cool. I would think I would love if I was a uh, a work from home uh, student. 
a remote student. I think this would be great for like a classroom and stuff. Yeah, we used this for a while. It is pretty cool. We had a hard time getting people to keep using it, though. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like there's a. You just you need one person who will constantly go who will on a daily basis, like go and like talk to people randomly. (laughs) Yeah, then people get excited about it. Yeah, we have one person who will do that. And so there's there's like some. There's always. uh, You know, you know, it could happen. So it's like it prods you to. uh, To be on. But he was he was out for two weeks and no one was on it. And so I was like, oh, interesting. That's awesome. Very cool. Gather.town, which is a fun URL. Uh, you can check it out there. Very cool. Thank you, Colby. Great job. And great job, guys. That's it. We're done. Took us a month, but we're back here on the fabulous 7-Eleven. Ready to yeah. uh, talk in tech and doing the great things. Um, thanks everybody out there for joining us. I do have to tease what's going on over on up for debate. Of course, it is our summer of video game movie adaptations. I know you guys are active listeners. You've been participating. We watched super Mario brothers, a weird film and publishing this week, street fighter with John Claude Van Damme, uh, which is a movie I actually loved a lot. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, very of its era. Um, and then when Matt gets back from Hawaii, we'll be doing Mortal Kombat. So it's going to be a great summer over there. You're going to want to check it out up for debate.tv where we get podcasts. Check it out there. Um, and by the way, guys, Sean Tember is coming up. Get excited. A great tradition with these two guys. Uh, they're so excited. Uh, and uh, of course, this show is Don't Panic at Dopec.io. Go there, get all the episodes. The links to the pick will be there, as well as the audio and video of each show. You can, of course, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Just search Don't Panic and get the video version on YouTube. And of course, get a hold of us, Don't Panic Show at gmail.com or tweet at us at Don't Panic Show. And unless you guys have anything else to add, we are going to wrap it up here. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. On behalf of Colby and Dan, I'm Sean. We appreciate it as always. We'll see you next time for another great edition of Don't Panic. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Dan Miller, Colby Rabideau, and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.